0: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. On today's show, Connor Jones joins me to break down what happened this weekend when the Nationals met the Orioles, what went wrong for the Nats, and how they can turn things around.
1: 3 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts of Los Angeles. The kick in here it comes. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. And a World Series game seven winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world champions! You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors.
0: Hello everybody, Locked On Nationals podcast, Josh Neighbors here alongside me, Connor Jones. We have just gotten through the half game that we saw on Sunday between the Orioles and the Nationals. It was a 5-2 lead for the Orioles when the rain came down at about 2.15 today, Connor, and then the, uh, the ground screw made a mess of things as the Nationals did today and was not able to get the tarp on because the tarp had been pushed in incorrectly and um if you ever needed a microcosm of how this series and how the season have gone so far for the Nats dudes that was uh that was it right there.
2: Yeah, the the grounds crew their effort um today was kind of reflective of that of the team. The weekend against the Orioles overall was It was pretty horrific and that was a pretty good um representation of what happened there with the weather um towards the end so that'll be weird having that one rescheduled next friday being played in baltimore but overall just a a pretty brutal weekend for the nats
0: right and then you you know you look at you look back at this weekend excuse me uh we'll play a little something for you here it's all you need to know 11-0 orioles this is kind of how it went down
3: here's iglesias 379 on the year to left field Get down, fair ball. Santander scores. Iglesias into second with an RBI double. That's allowed out to center. It kind of
1: freezes Robles. They're going to send the runner. And it's short hop Suzuki. He can only knock it down. The Orioles lead four nothing, and Iglesias ends up at second. Looper. It's down, and
3: Iglesias has a four hit night. On to third goes Santander can't get him out
0: so Connor we take a look back there it was Jose Iglesias just uh and I mean amongst other other players but they had their way with the the Nationals on Friday night a really tough outing for Anibal Sanchez and the offense went back to being inept Juan Soto had a tough evening the rest of the offense had a tough evening that was kind of the storyline that we saw throughout the weekend
2: yeah the offense is just it's just struggling the the top of the order is not really getting on base right now with Trey Turner and Adam Eaton both both slumping a little bit. And then the back of the order, Victor Robles has struggled. And they even went to Michael A. Taylor today to give Victor a day off. So it's tough when those guys who are really your table setters aren't really going to be on base for that middle of the lineup. So you're not really giving Juan Soto and, and Eric Thames and Howie Kendrick the opportunity to, to produce You know when the when the guys that you need to be on base at the top of the order aren't doing it.
0: You know, that, that was something that was just, it was so apparent throughout the weekend that the offense just wasn't there and they weren't going to be able to generate uh, a consistent offense. And so, you know, you saw that, you know, that 11-0 loss. And then we fast forward one day. You think the Nationals might be able to settle in, get some offense on a second day against this Orioles team that has not been great this season. And um, they go up 3 nothing And then they give the lead away. And this is kind of how it played out. This one's got some carry to it. To the Trent!
1: see you later it got the railing over the top of the wall Juan Soto is now doubled to left and homered to left and the Nats on top here's Sean he's going to face a couple of right handers Vallejo,
3: well hit deep left out of here and the Orioles are on the board Pat Vallejo with his second homer of the season greets Sean Doolittle and now it's a three to one game. And here's Pedro Severino. Got a right hand bat. That's tattooed. Way back and gone. Sean Doolittle is not fooling the Orioles after being limited to two hits this entire game. Back to back jacks from Cisco and Severino, and we got a one run game. Santander 0 for 3. Strikeout and two fly balls. That's hit well to left field. Way back. It's deep, and it is gone. Anthony Santander with a three run homer and the Orioles have scored five in the inning to take a five, three lead. How about
0: that? They get that three 0 lead, they blow it. And then you look ahead to a to a Sunday game with Steven Strasburg and you think at least they can salvage one and they weren't able to, but going back to that Saturday game, I mean, you are, you are in front, you are squarely in front in that game. The problem was Connor is that the offense could not continue to manufacture runs they get two in the second one in the sixth and then they give up that that thinning but at no point in time were they able to provide any insurance after they got that big scoring output
2: overall you know you kind of bring it up with the the pitching Strasburg coming in and how things have worked offensively but the entire weekend it's like it was such a team effort contributing to all those losses I mean when they do have a few runs the bullpen blew the lead when uh you know, with with Strasburg on the mound today, they weren't able to give him any run support before he started to struggle there once he got tired. So, yeah, I mean it, the those insurance runs would have been big. At the same time, that's one your bullpen has to be able to hold for you, especially against a team like Baltimore. So, it, uh, it's hard to just pin it on one portion of the team or or any individual because it's it's really been a lot of guys contributing to to these losses. And you that's kind of what it's gonna it's going to take all of that to lose to the Orioles the way they have
0: one for 10 on Saturday with runners in scoring position. And I thought, you know, for the most part, the hitting actually across the lineup was pretty good. You know, you get, uh, you end up getting eight hits from, you know, uh, I believe it's seven different guys. And so, you, you know, you're seeing some production across the board, but one for 10 with runners in scoring position. And we saw it again today on Sunday.
3: Two to Alberto hit hard. It's in the left field. This will score at least two. Cisco's home. Bobbled out there by Soto. Falaika's home. And the Orioles have jumped on top. Three to nothing. 3-1 on the way. Hit hard in the left field. That could score two. Holiday's home. It will. Two RBIs. Anthony Santander continues to deliver. Oh, my. Separate
1: this. See you later, PNC. He parked one. And it's a five to two game. Castro's first as a nap. It's really coming down now. Huge drops. Like I said it's going to miss us. Yeah. And Laz Diaz going to get everybody off the field right now at 2 40 p.m. So we waited and waited. It arrived with a vengeance. Uh oh they lost momentum. Come on. You got this. Not unrolling smoothly at all. You know, and we're not trying to diss anybody here, but what you're watching could have an effect on whether the rest of this game gets played. Exactly. I mean, it's pouring right now, and the field has taken tons of water, and for some reason, the tarp looks like it's tangled. And usually, these guys are boom, 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 tarps on. But something's going on with the tarp, and the situation is not good for the Nats down by three right now. Yeah. The uh, infield is usually covered by now because it's 2020.
0: The Nats just aren't driving guys in. And, and also too, it's not like there's a whole lot of solo home runs either. Like they just can't seem to, to manufacture some offense. You're not getting, you know, a run here, a run there on days where the pitching's not great uh, or you know on, on days where the hitting is not great. And you need just a solo pop to get you going. They've not been able to do that at all. I mean, it's, runners in scoring position or man, or getting power neither of those things have manifested themselves
2: yeah if you're not going to hit a ton of home runs you're going to have to be able to to hit with runners in scoring position and be able to manufacture them in that way i mean they've lost a lot of power with Anthony Rendon no longer in the lineup and Ryan Zimmerman not being available so they've lost some guys that that you could count on maybe for some for some easier or quicker runs when you don't have that same type of power production, you're going to have to be able to manufacture runs and and hit with runners in scoring position. And, you know, you just brought up that stat, the number from this weekend, that, like, you can't can't have that much trouble um, with runners in scoring position and also not hit home runs if you're going to be successful offensively.
0: Looking back, I I didn't see what the number was on... uh, I'm looking now, but for that number... On Friday night, it was 0 for 4, so they only got four runners in scoring position. On Friday night, so they're 0 for 4 there. 1 for 10 on Saturday, and then today through uh, you know through five innings of offense, the only offense coming from Starlin Castro, they were 2 for 7, so a bit better, but still, you know, you add it all up on the weekend. And you end up being three for twenty-one with runners in scoring position. I don't know any team that you could, that that's going to get that done against. I mean, I don't think there's a team currently in the league, and the Orioles aren't supposed to be a good one. That three for twenty-one over the course of you know, I guess it's uh, what they've had uh, twenty-three innings of offense of offensive opportunities this weekend, twenty-three runs, man, or 20, uh, you know, 23 innings. Uh, a three for twenty-one is just not going to get you you know any anywhere near where you want to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're playing the the Baltimore Orioles, the New York Yankees, or anyone else. I mean, you're still going to have to be able to hit and drive in runs and produce. And, you know, if the Nats end up missing the playoffs, just kind of thinking about it in terms of the big picture, I think if they end up missing the playoffs, that by a couple games, I think this is going to be a weekend that you look back on and, and and think of as one of the main reasons why.
0: Today's Locked on Nationals podcast is brought to you by CBDMD. Doesn't matter if you're a pro athlete or a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and Vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters the most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code Locked on MLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code locked on MLB for 25% off your purchase of superior oil products from CBDMD. And so we have to move to it now. The Sean Doolittle thing is has become a, a big problem. He has not looked good previously going into last night's game, on Saturday night's game, and his performance on Saturday. Uh, it was abysmal. His stuff obviously is not there, but he comes into that game and really, you know, helps spark the rally for the Orioles. He gives up, I believe, the two home runs, and you think that Sean Doolittle is a guy with a lot of experience, and, you know, he'd be able to kind of just find an inning or two of some relative consistency, but last night he only records an out, gives up two hits. They're both home runs, and then Daniel Hudson, too, you know, he only pitches, I mean, he finishes that inning, but it's for or two hits for him, three runs given up there as well, too, in the home run, and you know, you expect those guys to deliver, and neither of them did.
2: I'm just not sure I understand going to Sean Doolittle in a high-leverage spot there after what we've seen from him so far this year. I get what he's done for you in the past, and what's happened this year doesn't take away from any of that, but right now, Sean Doolittle's not a guy you can trust in, in, a, in a big inning. The stuff is not there the the fastball's not there. It's not what we've seen it be and what it was last year. And I don't know, maybe that's something, maybe it's something, uh, you know, with, with technique. I don't know what is causing it. Maybe he'll be able to get it back. Maybe he won't. But the point is I don't think you can go to him as a high leverage guy right now. It, like to me, that's just a mistake. The way he struggled even prior to last night, I think you've got to let him work that out. It through some, some less, some lower leverage innings, but, you know, I guess, you know, Martinez makes the calls for a reason. I'm not going to be too critical of it. I'm not sure. I understand it though.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure many people do. We moved to today where uh, the nationals once again, and Steven Strasburg makes his first start and he makes it through four and a third innings, seven hits, five runs, given up two strikeouts, one walk, fastball, fastball velocity was a touchdown. Connor, what did you see from, from Steven Strasburg today? Because, I thought there was some positive. I thought there was a lot of good, and it was obviously a tough way to make your first start. But it snowballed quickly, and it made me think maybe he wasn't ready to come back. Like, just maybe he wasn't in a position where be at least a part of the guy that he was for that time. You know, he just kind of melted down and collapsed, and it was not sustainable. It looked like he just, his stuff couldn't hold up through a full five against the Orioles.
2: What I would take away from it's actually more positive than negative, um, from Strasburg's outing today. I know the final numbers aren't going to look great when he, uh, when he got rocked there in that fifth inning, but I think that it mostly has to do with just him getting tired. I thought he came out and he threw strikes. His fastball seemed pretty good as, and is, he was able to kind of command everything for the most part up until that final inning. I think just because he's coming off that injury where maybe he's not quite ready to give you a, a full start and get deep into the game. I'm I think they hung him out to dry a little bit. I think that he should have came out of that game earlier. I don't think you can leave a guy in and let him put six straight guys on base or whatever it was. But you yeah, know, I think that's just a matter of him being tired more so than, than, than his stuff, not being all the way there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like in his next start. Max Scherzer, it sounds like he's going to be able to make it out for his next start. So that should be compelling to see uh, what he brings to the table on that. Another tough day. I mean, Starlin Castro, that home run was pretty big. They are going to need so much more of that, of guys stepping up, and especially him, because, I mean, he's been great so far as a national. They are going to need him to bring a bit more of that power output because, you know, he keeps getting on base. There's no guarantee that he's going to get driven in. Now, obviously, with uh, Soto back, you think it might happen a bit more often now, but he's going to have to go deep a few more times uh, in my estimation.
2: And you mentioned how he's done at the plate so far, and, yeah, getting his power going is is critical. Um, his first home run of the season today. So you definitely want to see more of that when you're replacing Anthony Rendon in a three hole. But, you know, I think I think those will come in time and hopefully we'll start we'll start to see that from him. But you look at the way he's swinging the bat overall, and I think that you're getting, you know, everything you could have hoped for offensively and, and maybe more.
0: Yeah, and so we'll see how this game resumes when they pick it up. Obviously the, the tarp issue was completely weird. I mean, we have to mention this. You know, the Nationals ground screw almost cost them a chance to, you know, to even be in this game and come back in this game. That's one of the most I've never seen that happen before. The the ground screw being not able to get the tarp on the field. It was so bizarre.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. That is that is not. I've never seen anything like that either. It's is it really the most interesting part of the game today was that whole fiasco. Um I, it's odd how it, that something like that can actually impact a game and I, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what happened it sounds like you're a little more familiar on it than or understand what happened there more than I did whether it was rolled up incorrectly or what exactly was the, the cause of those issues
0: well the, you saw them roll it out and they were having so many problems and they were like like it took all of them to try and roll it out and they couldn't they just didn't have the strength to do it it was because it appeared that the tarp was tied up the wrong way so like a part of the you know obviously when you, when you push tarp it kind of just lays out and somehow it had gotten wound up to where, you know, part of it that was supposed to be laid out was tra- trailing behind them. And they couldn't even cover the whole field. And they tried to get it out initially, but they had end up having to roll it back onto the infield. And so the issue was, is that there's driving rain happening and the tarp is just not on the field. And it was a complete mishap.
2: The fact that that's why the game, I guess, essentially couldn't be resumed is just crazy. But, you know, I mean, it's... When the weather starts acting like that, if you're not able to get the tar- the the tarp ready, I just I, it's going to be almost impossible. I think to get the field ready when it's raining like that. So it's I guess that's why they get to resume the resume the game um, going forward. So they still have an opportunity to come back in this one, uh, which is better than what happened in the Yankees game where it was ended up getting called. Right.
0: I saw the, the rules got posted on Twitter. The rule is that if a game you know cannot be finished due to operating error. With something like a tarp being put on the field, that the game will be resumed at a later date. So luckily, the Nationals, you know, they, they weren't cost the game at that point. Um, and so we we speak of that, you know, and they'll refinish that game next week when they have three with the O's in Baltimore. But Connor, in the immediate, you know, just taking a quick look ahead, they have four in New York against a Mets team that just got a really a big series win against the Marlins. They're they're gonna get they they're gonna have at least some confidence. They split with the Nats last week, and we talked about. Earlier, you know, on the podcast, that maybe the Nationals w- saw the Mets last week as a bit of a wounded animal opportunity. The roles get reversed here. The Mets, a little bit of momentum. The Nationals, trending in the wrong direction here. And the National season could very well be defined in these next four games.
2: It could. I think another way to look at it is they're only going to be able to lose so many games in a row. So at some point, you'd think they'd. You is that, have, I'm not sure that's how that works. That, that's kind of how I'm <laughs> thinking of it. Um, or at least trying to think of it, I think to some degree, I mean, it's not how that works, but at some point they're going to play better. Trey Turner's going to start to get on base some more, but like you said, I mean, that needs to happen sooner rather than later in this 60 game season. So I think this four game series against the Mets is definitely important. And then you look at another opportunity with the Orioles in the upcoming weekend. So yeah, they've got a, it's a, it's a huge week upcoming.
0: Definitely. And uh, Connor, we appreciate your time. If today went as scheduled or excuse me, if the season had went as scheduled Today, the Nationals would be playing their 15th game. So they would have been through one quarter of the season. So if you remove those, and to, to be honest, they've played, I mean, they've missed three and basically three and a half now with today's game being uh, not concluded. So through 11 games, they're four and seven. That is not where we thought they would be, Connor. We previewed the first 15 games. We thought it was going to be a bit better, but the offense has not been where it's needed to be. So um, they do have, obviously, there's, you know, it's, this is a sprint, more so, but they still have, you know, they're probably gonna have uh, 48 games left to go, 49 if you count today's games. Not time to hit the panic button yet. I was considering asking you if that was, you know, something that the Nationals should be doing is is panicking, but no, not panicking yet. But they're get they're starting to uh, get into a territory that you would you don't like to be in. I'm mean, only three games under 500, but with the way things have gone, it's not like you know. Obviously, three games under 500 is isn't that bad this season, but the issues, there's no sign of things turning around in terms of the things that we're concerned about. So the bullpen changing, the hitting has not been consistent. You know, the Nationals hitting has been more of a rarity than them not. So, you know, yes, there's a lot of games left, but they're not ironing out the problems that
2: face them to some degree, maybe they're not going to be able to iron out some of these problems. I mean, I think we're looking at this team as a defending world series champion and with that is going to come high expectations, but maybe the lineup's just not that good. And maybe it's not, it's not what people thought that it may still be even after losing Anthony Rendon. I I just think that when you look at the, the makeup of the lineup, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to pitch really well for them to be able to, to win games, because I don't think you're going to be able to count on the offensive output you saw from the Nats last season. I think they were the the second best offensive team in the league or the, in the National League over either the entire year or the second half of the year. So either way, we've seen uh, Nats fans have become accustomed to seeing that offense succeed. But the way it's the way it's kind of shaping up right now with some concerns, at least in my to me about Victor Robles not developing as a hitter, Anthony Rendon being gone. I think that it's just it's going to be a tough situation and runs in a lot of instances are going to be hard to come by.
0: Make sure you guys check out the locked on MLB podcast, as well as the locked on fantasy baseball podcast. All of these things, part of a locked on podcast network.